said right back at the beginning, we've been looking at the grey, the I am statements, and uh, what we were doing uh, over the last, we've done the seven. We went back and looked at John one to start with, and then we've done the seven I am statements. And today is like a wrap up of that for us. And so last week, I encourage you to uh, think about. Uh, what God has done or what God has taught you or what God has uh, impacted you through those I am statements and encourage you to, if you'd like to have written them down and uh, have an opportunity to share them today. Uh, So I've got a number of those and I'm going to read out to you that people have read, uh, that have written in about how those different things, some of them are shorter, some of them are longer. Uh, Karen Mormon's going to come up and read hers for us as well. Uh, And then I'm going to just pull it together at the end with are three things that particularly hit me. Uh, There were a lot more that hit me throughout this series, but three particular ones are things where I uh, needed to change, things where I was challenged, and things where I found comfort. So I'm going to share them with you in just a moment. So I thought what we'd do is I'm going to read them to you, a couple of them that uh, people have sent to us. Uh, As I said, it's great, isn't it, as we think about what God has done and what God is doing. And I think it's really helpful for us to sit back and reflect on it. Often we're here on the Sunday, we'll hear it and we'll go, yeah, that was really good. And then Monday comes and it fades out. Uh, Then we might go to a gospel community group during the week and we'll go, wow, yep, that was really good. And then the next day it fades out, fades out, fades out, fades out, fades lower, lower, lower. Then the Sunday, oh, yeah, that was really good. I've got a new thing. Uh, And we go through that cycle, don't we, where we hear stuff, it impacts us and then it fades And I think it's partly because we don't take in our culture or we don't see it as important as just taking time to reflect. Because we've got to have stuff going, don't we? If that's not going, then our phone's bipping at us or buzzing at us. Uh, There's a Facebook post, there's a a text message, there's a phone call, uh, there's something that wants to just grab our attention all the time. I, I think I want to really encourage you to jump out of that system. Actually, turn your phones off. Don't just turn them on silent, turn them off. Because when they're on silent, they still buzz. Turn them off and take time to reflect because God sometimes does his best work in us in our silence. And so that's why I wanted us to encourage us to think through this week and then write into me or come and share what God's been doing in your life. That was just an encouragement for you to take time out and reflect. So can I encourage you to do that? Uh, you might have thought, oh yeah, I'll do that. And then something got in the way and then something got in the way and then I had to go to this and I had to go to that. And man, the weather's so nice. I'm going to go and bowl now. I'm going to play golf now. Oh, it's really good. I'm going to go surfing now. Oh, it's really nice. Oh, I've got to be at work. You know, it happens, doesn't it? Just I'm not pointing my finger at you, by the way. This is me too, all right? This is what I'm saying to myself. So can I encourage you, over this time, over the school holidays, take time to reflect. Just pull yourself out of everything. Give yourself 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever time frame it is. Turn everything off and sit and listen, and reflect. Go back over the I I am statements. Uh, Here's one uh, from Nat. Who would have thought Nat would have had time to write anything in the middle of what she's been going on? But she said this, I'm not sure whether I'll be at church this Sunday, 
But the one that stood out to me was, was the other week when we looked at John 14. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, which comes out of do not be troubled. Uh, great passage, isn't it? It was also shared with Dad by the chaplain at Maranar within a couple of days of us studying in our gospel community. I find it comforting to know that God had prepared a place, a home for my dad. It's nice, isn't it, to reflect on that, sit in that. Benjamin Weeks, who doesn't have gastro himself, but Will does, <laughs> he's home with Will this morning, and he would have read this today, but he uh, sent it through. Jesus the light. In doing the job of a cabinet maker, I was uh, sometimes required to install kitchens into some dark caves. Units and duplexes, let's try that again, duplexes made of dark brick with very little natural light. Some clients felt the dark grey or brown doors and a black bench top were the perfect combination for this situation. Each to their own. But it made me realise that I had a strong craving for light. Now, even more so as reading this, uh, with more sorry, let's say, even more so as the reading spectacles get thicker, light brings books and repair jobs into focus. Light also exposes obstacles that attack you at night in your own home on the way to the bathroom. So, the concept of light and the darkness resonates with me. In John's Gospels, chapters one, three, eight, nine, and twelve make it clear that the life in Jesus is the light of the world. Each evening we are reminded in full colour of distressing blackness in every corner of the globe. I am thankful that Jesus is the beacon of love, hope, truth, salvation and understanding that shines both in this world and into my, uh, my own darkness. This study in John has been a great in comforting me or confronting me where heart and desires are really at. And encouraging me to live in the light of truth and love. I know I needed to be challenged to how to do this in practical ways. Can we, as brothers and sisters on the journey together, be useful in bringing some glimmer of light to the rest of the world? Very cool. Sam Ellie. I am. That's not her, that's a statement. I am. Probably the shortest, most complete sentence in the English language. A statement so clear and concise and yet so rich in the depth of its confidence and that it can help, but, but that it can't help but stop you in your tracks. There is no doubt that Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. Take him or leave him. Heather, uh, Heather probably is still weeping over the fact the Tigers got belted by Collingwood on Friday night. Uh, she was there. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, I texted her and said to her, I was, I'm pretty sorry no one saw that one coming. And she said, yeah, yeah, Collingwood turned up to play. And she said that of the 95,000 people that were there supporting on the night, it felt like 90 of them were for Collingwood. So uh, Collingwood was pretty loud by the sounds of it. Uh, this is what she said. I am the way, the truth and the life sums up all the other ones and sums up Jesus' purpose. 
When most sitcoms base their comedy on people pretending to be someone they're not, then lying to keep up the story, like pretending to be a Scotsman. Those who were here remember she did that. Uh, it's comforting to know Jesus doesn't have to pretend to be someone else. He is the Son of God. He is the true. He is the way to God, and He died and rose again to give us life. As I deal with people lying every day at work, it's comforting to know I can trust in Jesus' words, that they are fully truthful. So I do not have to be troubled, knowing Jesus has prepared the way for me. I do not have to feel alone, as I know his spirit is with me too. Very cool. Karen, do you want to come and read to us? Um, it would have been um, easy to pick any of the I am statements because they're all so significant to everyday life. But I chose I am, um, I am the gate. And um, in John 10.3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognise a stranger's voice. And Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. This I am statement impacted me because although as your average middle-aged Australian Christian, which most of us are, <laughs> we aren't stupid, but we are forgetful. We become complacent and we become content with our lives. We're busy and we've lived through a lot of change. Um, and the change that we've lived through is such that um, bringing the relevance of faith and our God to the communities that we live in and our families and friends can just seem like a daunting prospect. So as your average middle-aged Australian Christian, um, we have chapters and verses and little memory verses and our little gospel songs and things that shout and whisper the truth of the gospel um, to us. And we have the security in knowing that we have salvation through Jesus. And we know that he paid for our sins on Calvary. And that story is this story is relatable to share with non-Christians. And it shows the character of Jesus and his care that he is the gate. Um, Jesus tells us that we have a safe sheep pen where we will be cared for. He is the gate. He's the way in and he's the way out of the safety of this pen. He loves us and he wants us with him so much that he stands at the gate and he calls us. It's not a whistle. It's not an all aboard. It's a gentle and sweet saying of our name. It's Joan, Paul, 
Marie, follow me, listen to me. I promise your future is secure in eternity. And the people follow him because the promise of that, they know his voice and that they know that he loves them. Even though they hear other voices calling, they are strangers and they're not to be trusted. Now as a middle-aged Australian, many voices call to us. We can be pulled and tugged in many directions. We can get hooked on the latest and greatest scheme or idea during the rounds and we can have a desire to fit in with the happening things. But as someone said, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it probably is a duck. But Jesus knows your name. He calls you and he cares for you. I find this is a message that I can share with non-Christian friends. Jesus as is the gate and as the gate is the opening and the closing gate. He is the in, he is the out gate. He's the way in, the way out. He's the guy that knows your name and your heart. And he said, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. This story of the gatekeeper, I think it's one I could share with non-Christian friends and it would lead beautifully into any of the I am statement stories, but especially into the next story of I am the good shepherd. As a middle-aged Australian Christian, I also forget that Jesus is standing there quietly calling my name and my complacency and busyness gets in the way and I don't honour Jesus the way that I should. But I have the assurance that he will still call my name and to have a life and to have it to the full is what I will have if I follow him. Thanks, Karen. Uh, it's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, great words. Thanks, Karen. Really appreciate that. Uh, Kevin Smith sent me something through last night too, uh, what he'd uh, seen as well. He said, uh, look at this, need at least four basic elements to survive, humans, water, air, food and light. And look at what the Bible tells us about Jesus. I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. I'm the breath of life, sorry, I'm the bread of life and I'm light to the world. Uh, he covers all of them, doesn't it? And uh, Kevin said, uh, Jesus, we cannot live without him. So true, isn't it? So true. Uh, so I just want to share with you quickly too, the, the three things that have uh, really hit me. Some of them overlap a bit with uh, what everyone else has said as well. Um, and the first one I want to say is a, a change something that had to change in me and something that has changed in me over these statements. And it comes from, uh, we look at John 14. Uh, when you look through the Bible, when you look through John particularly, it's so much about God saying or Jesus saying, come and see, come and check me out, come and see whether who I claim to be is who I am. He wants us, to, he, he, he begs people, he says, come on, check us out, Put, test me, see who I am. And so that's what it, it encourages all of us to do that. 
And the one that he says to me, which really I had to change and I need to keep changing, came from John 14. It's a great little part, isn't it? Right at the beginning it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You can stop there almost. Because that's really where it all hangs. Trust. Do we trust? All the stuff that happens for me, often in my anxiety and my worry and my concern and my churning and my waking up in the middle of the night, all comes down to whether I do this. It's whether I truly do trust God in everything. And the thing about this passage in John 14 that really uh, spoke to me was that Jesus doesn't just say, trust in God, trust also in me, but then he goes on to tell you why. He tells us why, firstly, because he says he's got a home for your heart, doesn't he? He says in that first, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to where I am. Our home in eternity is secure in Jesus. I don't have to worry about that. I can trust in my eternity. I can trust that because Jesus has got it sorted. He's prepared it. He's prepared it by not doing the renovations on the house. He's prepared it because he is the way, the truth and the life. That's how he prepares. That's what he means by prepare. He says... I prepare the way for you. I am the way for you. So not only do I not have to worry about my eternity, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to get there because all of this is trust in Jesus. He's the one that gets me there. Prepares it and he takes me there. I just need to trust that. My eternity is his. But not only that does he say, but then he goes on in the rest of the passage, he says, I'm going to make a home in you. So your eternity's sorted. The way there's going to be there happening Here and now, I know it's going to be hard for you, but I'm going to make my home in you. That is a phenomenal statement. Go back and reflect on that for a little while. Uh, In the words in the moment they're going to sing from the resurrection song, it says that your breath is now living in me. That's what he means by that, the spirit, his spirit. He lives within us. Um, You never know sure how to represent that, but that's not a bad photo. (laughs) Uh, But that really impacted me and that had to change Uh, my heart and keeps changing me every time I think through it. Uh, The week after, two days after I preached that on the Sunday, on the Tuesday morning I was in the middle of doing prep for the next week's talk. I get a phone call from an agency in town and that phone call was very, very distressing or possibly distressing. I can't tell you the whole story (laughs) Um, but after I got off that phone call, um, I thought, what am I going to do about this? I thought, well, I'll, I'll, let me just try and keep working on my talk. And I tried to read the... Pa- I couldn't read the passage. My head was just going off here and was going off there. and was going All these things and the scenarios that I was thinking of what's going to happen this afternoon because something had to happen that afternoon. That afternoon, what's going to happen that afternoon? And my head... And my thought patterns were just all over the place. And then I thought, you idiot, Paul. Maybe we're not stupid, but sometimes I feel like I am. Uh, But I'm forgetful, aren't I? We are forgetful. I said, what did we just preach on on Sunday? 
do not let your hearts be troubled. And I, I stopped. I put everything aside. I just, well, I had to re-preach it to myself. I had to re-say, Paul, what did you say? What did the passage say? Jesus has got you home. Your eternity sorted. He's the way. Trust that. And here and now, I have his spirit. I have him within me to be able to go into this situation knowing that he's there. I don't have to save the situation. That's not my job. But I can go into that situation knowing that Jesus is there with me. It was literally a physical sense that that is so true. I had to go to the situation at 2 o'clock that afternoon. I knew that was going to happen. But after going back and reflecting on those truths, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I actually could actually read, start reading the Bible again and actually start working on the talk again. And then when I went out at 2 o'clock that afternoon, if things weren't at the level uh, that it was, I'd actually caught up with someone down the street an hour or so before that, that conversation went far better than I thought it was going to go. The situation that I had to go out to and deal with at that point in time, uh, don't get me wrong, it wasn't healthy, um, but, but it wasn't where I thought it was going to be and I still didn't have to save that person or that situation. I was just there and God was with me in it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. I have a home for your heart. I am the way, the truth and the life to that and I'll make my home in you. That's, that, that's changed. I've had to do that constantly in the next two weeks since that. That keeps coming back to me and just keeps reminding me to change my thinking. Understand, make my heart believe, Lord make my heart believe. Uh, knowing that we have Jesus 24-7, 365 days of the year is such a wonderful truth and hope and power that we have in him. Uh, the other one was from last week, which uh, was a challenge for me. Uh, Jesus says, I am the true vine. He who remains in me is the way that we need to be, doesn't he? That's what he was saying. Remain in me and I also remain in you. Uh, be connected to the vine is what he's saying. We need to stay with the vine. Uh, when we are in Jesus, we are automatically in the vine. We are there in the vine. But Jesus says we need to stay in there. And one of the things that I was really challenged about within that, that is remaining in the vine means that we'll have a fruitful life. A fruitful life is a loving life and a loving life is a joyful life. Uh, nice little connection, isn't it? Through that passage. Uh, Jesus is the true vine. Remain in him. He wants us to be fruitful. A fruitful life is a loving life. A loving life is a joyful life. But well, the thing that really challenged me out of that was that sense that I am, am I strangling the vine or am I allowing the vine to grow healthy? 
Uh, we talked, didn't we, about what robs us of our joy in Jesus, what strangles the vine, what are the things in our lives that are actually making that more difficult, or what are the things in our lives that stir up our joy, that encourage us in that joy. And I shared two things with you, and I've got to keep reminding me of those two things. I shared with you about my Netflix watching. And on my Netflix watching, I love Netflix. It's fantastic. You get no ads. You can stop it. You can start it. You can fast forward it. It's fantastic. But there is so much on there, isn't there? And there's so much on there that I like to watch to start with, and then you get to it in the middle of it, and you think, why did I watch that? I didn't need to see that. I didn't know to need to know that. And it's there. You can't unsee it. So I made a decision to not to watch anything above M. I might have to even downgrade that soon. I thought there were some great shows in MA. Don't get me wrong. There's some great shows. But I haven't found an MA show yet that there hasn't been some part of that that I can't unsee and actually robs my joy. Now, remember what I said, this is not law. This is me. This is what robs my joy. Uh, but what stirs up my joy is when I spend time with you guys. Uh, what stirs up my joy is when I spend time with other people talking about Jesus. What stirs up my joy is when I'm getting out and sharing the love of Jesus by, like the people on the, uh, this week who went down and helped uh, Gail's auntie move. I have to... When the Alex, it's always hard to work out what all the connections are. Um, <laughs> Artie who moved, and, and that stirred up my joy. I couldn't be there. But when I got onto email and saw who went and how many people went, that was great. thought, this is fantastic, isn't it? That's what stirs up our joy. That is far better things to have in my thought pattern than what I've seen in a number of shows I've watched. What stirs up our joy? What robs us of our joy? To remain in Jesus be connected to the true vine, not to strangle that vine, but to clear that vine so that it's a f the flow is unhindered and the fruit grows and spreads that loving life and that joyful life. So I have to change. I've been changed, I've been challenged, and I've also found comfort. And they're out of two particular ones. Uh, I am the good shepherd. Bit what Karen was saying. Uh, that is a beautiful picture, isn't it? I am the good shepherd. That we are his sheep, that he knows our name and he calls our name and that he wants to call more people into that as well. Verse 16 of that passage, Jesus says to us that there are more people out there, more sheep that I want to call into this sheep pen. What a great encouragement, isn't it? I am the bread of life who comes to me, shall not hunger, shall believe in me, shall never thirst. That's the second one that I found that was really, really helpful too. That we are in him. We have the good shepherd and we have the life and both of those two together work. Uh, and in that passage I shared with you that Jesus tells us that the wolves are going to come but he's actually destroyed the wolves. He's actually he's defanged the wolves. And the illustration I mentioned was where uh, these people who do the cobra things, who uh, make them dance and pipe to them, often do two things. One, they either defang the uh, cobra or they milk the cobra so it can't hurt or they glue their mouth shut so that they can't get you. So whatever happens, the person playing this is in no danger. 
the, the danger has been removed. It's no longer can that cobra do anything to that person. So it's not in danger at all. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He's defanged the two things that are going to hit us, which are sin and death. He's, he's defanged them. At the cross, Jesus has removed their power. And now we are his. Uh, he has the victory. Uh, the open tomb is probably what we should be wearing or seeing as much as the cross. The cross is where Jesus takes on death. That's where it's all loaded. But the open tomb is where he's had victory over it. The confirmation of it, isn't it? The two go together. And one says, don't remove them. Have the two together. The cross and the open tomb. And that passage he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Sometimes, uh, not just on Sunday mornings, but sometimes I just wonder, where is this all going, Lord? <laughs> no revival happening. And why aren't people flocking in? You know, why aren't, has the gospel lost its power? Have people lost the edge? Is it just, <laughs> do we just give up and go home? Pack up our bags? Stop all the effort. <laughs> What's going on, Lord? And then you read this. I have other sheep. It's not just the ones that Jesus was speaking to at the time. I have other sheep from out there that want to come in. From 12 blue-collared workers, we now have over 1.4 billion believers in the world today and it's growing. And that's just today. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? We think, oh, there's not too much happening around us, but there's 1.4 billion. And that's just today. That's not over the whole of history. Uh, Jesus' mission is working and is going and will go and it will not fail. Uh, that's the confidence that we have out of this. That's what I, the comfort that I got out of this, that our good shepherd is not only caring for us, but he's calling more people in. And he wants us to be part of that. And his mission won't fail. It hasn't failed. It won't fail. And we want to be on that with him. It's the best place to be. And we want to rest in that. Yeah, we've lost the bottom part, haven't we? This is a, there's a book I've got, if anyone wants to borrow it, uh, called Resting Place. Uh, it's a book that has a number of just little, well, not little, quite long moments where you can just go away and reflect and you can do it for an hour you can do it for two hours or you can do it for a day uh it, each little one you can you can make it stretch as long as you like and this is what she says in this she says our savior holds out his hand and invites us to cease striving to rest along the banks of the still waters and we will lay down our packs and put our weary hand in his nail scarred palm and he will hold us forever great comfort that is we're not lost from him or by him and that's where that other one comes in doesn't it the bread of life jesus says i am the bread of life uh, whoever comes to me will never go thirsty will never be go hungry and straight after that he says all that the father has given me none of them will i lose those that will be there i will hold them to the very end uh, all that god gives me i shall keep and we had that picture I used of a parent taking their, their daughter or their son or taking them to preschool. That's a pretty tough period of time, isn't it, when you take your kids to preschool, maybe the first time. It's an adult bringing another one to another adult 
handing them on to look after them and care for them. It's scary. Parents go away thinking, oh, is this going to be okay or not? And then they come back in the afternoon and they're handed back. What God does with us. God grabs us, he takes us, he hands us over to Jesus. Jesus has us, he keeps us and he takes us and he presents us before the Heavenly Father in eternity, in that home forever. And Jesus never makes mistakes and Jesus never lets you go. Never lets you go. Once you're his, you are his forever. That is the assurance we've got to have because if that's not an assurance, guys, we will doubt every day whether Jesus has got us. That's the great comfort that comes, doesn't it? He says, we are children of God. That's got to be mind-blowing. <laughs> That's me, guys. In this series, I, have to be ch- I've, I was changed. Do not be troubled, trust. I have an eternal home. My way is Jesus. Jesus lives in me. I've been challenged to what robs me of my joy and what stirs my joy in remaining in Jesus to be fruitful for him. I found comfort in Jesus, the good shepherd, who not only has me, but actually wants more and more people to join me in that and join him in that. And the great comfort to know that when he's got me, I am his and he never lets me go. I am a child of God. We belong in him. Jesus says, come and see. Jesus invites you to come and see, to come and taste, to come and know. He says right back in John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says this, I came came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What a wonderful statement we receive Jesus, if we take him, if we accept him, if we believe in him, if we put our trust in him as the one who died and rose again for us, then you and I belong with him forever. We are children of God. We belong to him. Come and see. Come and taste. Come and receive. Come and believe. Come and belong. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, over this seven week, eight weeks when we've been looking through the Gospel of John, as we've been looking through uh, Jesus' I Am statements, Lord, lots of things have been coming to us. Uh, you have been revealing to us where we're at. You've been revealing to us who you are. You've been revealing to us who we are in you, Lord. And Lord, within all of that, you have been changing and challenging and comforting and transforming and moving within us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we won't lose that, that we won't just skip through life and forget what's been happening for this last eight weeks, Lord. Lord, by your Spirit, slow us down. And allow us to sit and reflect and to sit in these truths, Lord. 
We pray that as we sit in that, as you bring your word to us, as your spirit applies that to us, Lord, that we will be moved to be more and more thankful, more and more in line with your will, Lord, more and more in the character of your son, Jesus, Lord, more and more on mission with your desires, Lord, to see more and more people from this world to become part of your flock, with you as the one shepherd over it all, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.